Welcome to this message from Liberty Church, Thetford. Thank you, thank you. Wow, you're hearing a lot from me today, aren't you? If you don't like me, this is a bad day for you. Now you know how my wife feels. She does this all the time. So I'll just crack straight in. So the most important thing that I need to tell you this week is that it's nearly my birthday. Okay, remember that? It's nearly my birthday. I'll be 28 again this year. So how quickly... It's a bit loud, Glenn. How, how quickly that, that years go by. So yeah, add a decade to that, obviously. Clearly, well, not obviously, hopefully, but add a decade onto that. I'll be 38 in a couple of weeks. And I, I want to talk to you this morning about a year-long challenge that I've set myself this time last year. If you don't know me, then I'll say that's my wife, Sal. We've got a young lad called Reuben. And uh, I felt a, a year ago that in so many areas of my life, I needed to be setting him an example now. Not in five years, but now. Even if he's not looking to follow that example now, I need to set it now. So he sees it as he grows up. So I thought, right, I need to, I need to model this health and this ability to dig deep and, yeah, complete a physical challenge. That's what I decided. I was going to set myself a physical challenge. It needed to be big, but achievable, kind of quite balanced there it needed to be for me something that required discipline um, that require consistency and, and just to get out there it wasn't a pie eating contest it wasn't one of those I could win I set myself this target okay so this year this last year between turning from 37 to 38 my challenge was to run 1,000 kilometers in a year now maybe I know what you're thinking we work in miles but a thousand miles is a bit of a ridiculous target for me. Come on, let's, let's, be, let's not be too stupid about how far I was going to run. So I decided that that would be my target. And that I would take my, my running regimen from the year before and I would step it up to a thousand kilometers in a year. I didn't think that was going to be too hard going from zero kilometers to a thousand kilometers. <laughs> Just like that. I mean, how hard could that be? I actually checked this uh, on, on Google this week for context. It's like running from here to Poland or from here to Spain, which feels a lot further than it did a year ago. But that, that was my challenge. That's what I, I set myself, rightly or wrongly. But wow, did it hurt. Did it hurt. I literally had to buy all of Tesco's stock of ibuprofen gel all the time just to survive. And I wasn't even running every single day. My feet hurt, my knees, my lungs, every muscle, tendon, ligament, even the fat bouncy bits, even they hurt. I don't, I don't count myself particularly overweight, but when you start running and, and stuff starts jiggling and it doesn't stop for 10 kilometers, then it starts to hurt, starts strapping it all down. It did, it really hurt. So now, here I'm going to give you the update. This is how far I've run this year. With two weeks to go, I have run 352 kilometers. <laughs> so now I did some maths on this. So if, if you're good at maths, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that leaves me 324 kilometers to run this week and 324 kilometers to run the following week, which is basically from here to Newcastle and back, if you're British, <laughs> in two weeks. Or actually, it works out quite nicely as a marathon every single day for the next two weeks, which I figure is still achievable. 
Thanks. <laughs> Cheers. But in all honesty, well, that would kill me, let's be honest. And I might get sacked. But I owned up to my failure months ago. I wasn't going to do it. I was never going to hit my target, despite, despite what felt like my best efforts. And I could mention all kinds of, of valid reasons why I didn't manage it. I was ill. I was busy with Flourish. I was doing DIY. Or perhaps I was trying DIY. Does that sound better? How rude. He can laugh because I have to call him up for help sometimes. The most significant reason or, or reason I could give you maybe was that I started my challenge in March and I started running in June. So I lost three months straight away. But clearly, I failed big time. I was nowhere near hitting that target of a thousand kilometers. But even though I knew I wasn't going to hit that, I kept running as and when I could because I decided that instead of giving up, I was going to hit the ripe old age of 38, failing on my feet. Failing on my feet. Because I wanted to fail trying rather than failing to try. And I don't think it matters if, if, if you're a Christian in here today or not, you believe in God or not, we all deal with failure. No matter what that might be in, in your life, whether it's family life, professional life, whatever that might be, we all deal with failure. And looking at this, actually, the last few weeks, I discovered that one of Jesus' uh, 12 disciples was a great example of failing on your feet. So we look at Matthew 14. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, like you do. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. So quite a well-known story for the Bible. And I get it. If you don't believe in God here, that's quite a, quite a story to believe in itself. People were walking on water. But stick with me. So Peter knew what it was to fail. He knew what it was to attempt something big, something potentially stupid, and fall short. He was a fisherman before he was a disciple, so he probably knew that humans weren't built to walk on water. And he, he might have thought maybe it would have been possible if you have like really big feet, like Glenn, and they're, and they're webbed like people from Brandon. <laughs> Maybe then, if you're from Brandon, apologies. Anywhere in the fens will do. Take that insult as you like. But I don't know of any other record in history of, of anyone successfully walking on water for even a few steps. But at least Peter tried. 
at least Peter failed on his feet. At least he tried. And that's the same reason why I'm happy to stand up here and reveal how far, how far short I fell of that target. Because for the same reason, at least I tried. At least I tried. I know we can, we can throw that at our kids, but sometimes that is actually a good thing. At least I tried. I can honestly say that running around the streets of Thetford, I never looked like a successful runner. I definitely looked like an approaching middle-aged runner. But at least I ran 352 kilometers. I'm going to cling on to that. At least I did that much. Because by failing on my feet, I managed to run further than I ever have before by about 340 kilometers. I even managed to run all the way from where I live near Tesco's on Cloverfields. I managed to all the way from there, all the way across to the other side of town, McDonald's, and back again. Now, I didn't stop for a burger. I did get accused of that. Phil did suggest that's what I did. For, that, for me, that was such a huge psychological thing, but at least I did it. Even though I failed, at least I tried. Even though it was, let's be honest, unlikely from the start. And as time went on, it looked less and less and less likely. Because I could have decided back in June when I thought I've already wasted three months, I could have decided back then, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, so why try? If I'm going to fail, I might as as well fail with my feet up, sitting on a comfy sofa watching TV. But that that isn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to fail on my feet and at least try. And for the next two weeks, I'm going to keep on trying. I'm going to literally, as I said, fail on my feet instead of just giving up. I'm 14 marathons away from my target, but I'm still going to try. And part of that for me was because I decided that failing on my feet was better than failing on my seat. See what I did there? Because we read this story in the Bible about Peter. We see... We see him attempting the impossible. We see his failure. But so often what we forget is that there was 11 other people sat in a boat who didn't even try. Peter might have failed. Peter might have sunk. But at least he failed on his feet whilst the other disciples failed in their seats. Because for whatever reason that was, they didn't even try. They were in the same boat. They were in the same storm. And they hung around with the same Jesus. But they never got out of the boat. So let me ask you, would you rather be someone failing on your feet or failing on your seat? Would you rather fail trying or by failing to even try? Which do you think is the greatest failure? Because I know some people are like, well, if if it's not going to work, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to do it. Personally, I think, and don't take this as written, but I think, not trying is the greatest failure. I might have failed to reach my target, but every time I went for a run was a victory. Every time I ran a kilometre was a moment of success in the midst of that failure. And it's easy to see that big failure without acknowledging those small steps of success on that journey. And I think, like I said, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not. It can be easy to live our lives with the attitude that if it's not guaranteed to succeed 
then I'm not even going to try. Unless I'm definitely going to get that job, it's not worth applying. Unless I know it's going to be 100% successful, I won't start that business. I won't join a crew to serve in church in case I'm not any good. I won't tell you my, my history in, in this band, but yeah, you think I'm bad today, I'm bad. Historically, it was even worse. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to try and make, make new friends in case that doesn't work. Maybe you don't like the thought of buying a house in case you lose it. You don't want to learn to drive in case you fail your test. We, it's, it can be so easy to live like that, that I'm not going to try unless that success is guaranteed. Even Peter in that boat, he could have thought, I'm willing to walk on water, but let's wait for the storm to die down. Then I'll give it a go. Because at least I'm giving myself the best chance of success. But that isn't what, what Peter did. He, he just jumped in. Storm, waves, everything. Gave it a go. Literally failed on his feet. I realised uh, something this week, actually. That um, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll tell you this story. When it comes to prepping these messages, my stress levels go through the roof. I, I, I don't sleep as well. I spend hours just going backwards and forwards over weeks and weeks and weeks, struggling to, to get my point down in what I want to say to you. And it was in prepping this message that I realised a huge, huge part of that is because I'm terrified of failure, ironically. I'm terrified of it not being good enough. I'm terrified of, of it not, um, not being right. Me telling you something that isn't, isn't correct, that, 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 that isn't in the Bible, that isn't, isn't right. So even this week, I had to change my attitude, even in, in preparing for this message. I had to be prepared to fail on my feet. Now, you might laugh at me, for this one, but there's one area where I am 110% unwilling to fail on my feet. And that's when I go out for dinner to a restaurant. Because most of my friends and family, they can probably tell you exactly what I'm going to order before I sit down. Before I sit down, literally. We went to um, Ask Italian in Berry recently, and uh, Sal was giving it the big and mocking me. I know what you're going to have. You have the same thing every time. And to be fair, I do have the same thing literally every single time. So I couldn't really be too, too angry with the accusation. I literally have a pepperoni pizza with sweet potato fries every time I go there. So I thought, right, I'm going to get you this time. I'm going to change it up, take a risk. Going to be that chance of failure here, but I'm willing to live with that. I'll show her. So I thought... Please, can I have that uh, rectangular-shaped pepperoni pizza, please? <laughs> With extra pancetta. She couldn't believe it. Apparently, that doesn't count as change. Apparently, that's the same thing still. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm really unwilling to risk failure when it comes to food because I don't want to order disappointing food. And my wife's not sat here because I get enough disappointing food at home. <laughs> If you listen, Sally, it's true. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's definitely taking a risk, isn't it? But so often our fear of failure stops us taking a risk and trying something new, even in something small, so we don't even try. 
I've got a, um, a really a really close friend actually. Um, he he, uh, he pl- actually played professional ice hockey for quite a while. His name is Wayne um, Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, that's his name. So it, this is something that he said that is relevant for this this morning. So he said, "You miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. One hundred percent of the shots you don't take." When Wayne Gretzky re- retired from the NF- NHL, he held sixty-one personal records, many of which are still his. Goal scores, point scores, assists, all these things. All because he knew that you only succeed when you try, when you risk the failure. I think we, we get in this, in this position, whether, whether you're, you're someone who, who believes in God or not, that if we don't try, it doesn't count as failure. Ironically, if we stop and think about that logically, not trying is the only thing that guarantees failure. 100%. The truth is, though, that this this fear of failure that, that so many of us battle with only robs us of the opportunity to succeed. Because every chance to fail contains an opportunity for success. Every shot Wayne Gretzky took was a chance to score, an opportunity. You can't separate the two of those. You can't separate success and failure. They go together. If you want to succeed, you have to face the possibility of failure. I love this, this quote from uh, Aaron Hansen. Maybe, maybe this is one you've seen before online. It says, what if I fail? But my darling, what if you fly? We focus on the risk not the reward. We focus on the failure, not the success. And instead of reaching for the the potential greatness inside of us, we shrink back into the smallest version of who we could be. But if you don't try, you'll never fly. Imagine if Wayne Gretzky had spent his entire NHL career and never took a shot. We certainly wouldn't be talking about him this morning. I love this, this quote as well from uh, the film Coach Carter. Hopefully you've seen it. It's a, it's a basketball film. It won't be on screen. I'll just, I'll just read it to you. It says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Playing it small does not serve the world around you. Not trying does not help the people around you. What will it cost your family? What will it cost your community? What will it cost your friendship group? Because there's there's an area where you're unwilling to step out and take a risk. Let me put it this way. In our efforts to avoid failure, who will we fail to help? This idea that we can avoid failure by not trying is a complete and utter lie. In our efforts to avoid failure, who will we help? It doesn't matter whether each of us defines success in the same way. Let me throw that out there. 
What matters is understanding that whatever your success is, your potential, your purpose will never be realized unless you're willing to fail whilst giving it a go. Let's face it, success, we all know this, success is never guaranteed. But like the 11 disciples, success is never found sitting down. You never find success sitting down. Those 11 disciples never walked on water because they stayed in their seats. I go back to this earlier example. How many of you remain unhappy at work because you haven't applied for a new job? You haven't started a home study qualification. How many would like to join a crew but haven't filled in a crew card? So we don't know. How many of us might have problems in, in, in our marriages or our families because we're unwilling just to start a conversation? Success is never found sitting down. We need to realise that inactivity doesn't bring positive change. Inactivity doesn't bring positive change. Because doing nothing never achieved something. Doing nothing never achieved something. Doing nothing never overcame an addiction. Doing nothing never fixed a marriage. Doing nothing never broke our negative thought or word patterns. Doing nothing never changed a community. Doing nothing is the greatest failure. But the greatest thing, or the great thing here about failing on our feet, is that at least we're failing forward. It doesn't matter if we're literally stumbling at every step. At least your failure is in a forward direction. doesn't matter if you're stumbling at every single step you take. At least you're taking steps. God can work with that. Proverbs 16.9 says, A person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Because for me, the fear of failure in the past, and make, even making a wrong decision in the past, has often paralysed me into inaction and indecision. But all I needed to do was take a single step. One single step, and trust that God would direct the steps that I was taking. But it's important that I, I couldn't stay stationary. I needed to move. I needed to take that step. Because without movement, there is no direction. You're not going anywhere unless you're moving. Maybe today you're not sure what your purpose is. We'll start by taking a step. Single step. And watch God walk you into it. Maybe you're stuck in a, in a horrible situation. You don't know what your solution is. Find a step that you can take. And then it's up to God. He will bring the transformation in that. Do what you can do. Take that step. Trust God. Be willing to fail on your feet, failing forwards. Because when we look back at Peter, he was willing to walk on the water because Jesus told him to step out. He said, Jesus, if that's you, you tell me I'm coming. Jesus said, come. And Peter left that boat. Would you? I wouldn't step out of a boat in the middle of a storm. It does seem pretty suicidal, doesn't it? So many of us, I think, know that there's a step that God wants us to take. But we're just not taking it. It doesn't matter what that is. Somewhere you need to take a step. Maybe we're worried about 
what people will think about us or what they'll say about us if we fail. But how true is it that usually the biggest critics, the biggest critics are the ones sat down. The biggest critics are the ones not trying. The ones that are failing in their seats think that they have the right to speak when they're not even trying. I I can imagine the 11 disciples mocking Peter, knowing my friendship group. I can imagine that. They can mock him, but (laughs) you were sinking, weren't you? And yet not a single one of them who stayed sat on their chairs in a boat knew what it felt like to take that step and, and, and literally put your foot on water and to feel it plant and to feel something solid underneath that. None of them would know what that felt like to take that step, to, to step out of a boat in the middle of a storm and walk towards Jesus. Maybe it is just a simple case we're scared of failing. Maybe that's, that's what it might be for you. You're, you've got an issue, there's something you need to do, there's a change you need to make, whether at home, at work, or whatever that might be, but we're just scared of failing. Let me just tell you these three things this morning. Number one is failure is not permanent. Failure is not permanent, it's just part of the process. By definition, we're learning what not to do and how not to do it. Tony laughed about my DIY, but I have learned this the best way through DIY, cutting things wrong, things leaking, things costing me money. I've discovered that my skill sets when it comes to DIY definitely lie on the side of demolition rather than construction. I've made some horrific mistakes, but at least I'm learning. I've made some very bad mistakes, but mixed in with those mistakes, I've had some success. My failure wasn't permanent in that. Almost everything, assuming my house doesn't fall down, almost everything is fixable. Particularly if I have useful friends. We need to adjust our attitude to failure. We need to realise that failure is just another way to learn. And sometimes it's the best way. We think this failure is permanent and it's going to ruin our lives forever. But it's not. Failure is only temporary. The trick is to take that failure, whatever that might be, and learn a lesson from it that will last a lifetime. The failure is temporary. The lesson can last forever. Sometimes we spend too much time looking at other people, envying their success, whether that's celebrities, sports stars, business, pers- business people, whoever that be. We can see all their success and feel like such failures, especially in this media-driven world that we live in. But the dirty little secret here is that every successful person has spent years failing and learning, and failing and learning, and on and on and on. The difference is every time they failed, they learned, and they got back up again, and they tried again. Failure is not unique to you. It's not unique to me. Every single person on this planet faces failure. The difference is, are we failing on our feet and learning as we go? Or are we failing on our seats, too afraid to even try? A great example that I will just run through as quickly as I can for this morning is Thomas Edison, which probably most of us know is the guy who invented the light bulb. It took him over a thousand attempts to create 
the light bulb. A thousand failures for one success. I think we can all agree that that success pretty much changed the world. His friend once said to him, isn't it a shame that with the tremendous amount of work you have done, you haven't been able to get any results? Edison turned on him like a flash and with a smile replied, results? I've got lots of results. I know several thousand things that won't work. Several thousand things. By the time he died, he'd registered almost 1,100 patents throughout the world. So imagine how many failures he experienced to get there. Someone describes Edison as good at failing. Not as a good inventor, but good at failing. Because it was his ability to fail that drove his success. Would you be happy if someone described you as a successful failure? That you're good at failing? But it was his willingness to embrace his failures that made him so successful. Because the truth is that far from being an obstacle to success, failure can be the stepping stones to success. The stepping stones. We need to accept that that failure is not permanent. It's just part of the learning process. And actually, that failure can help us get to our success. Secondly, then, failure does not define you. I believe that you are more defined by how you handle failure than by the fact that you have failed. Because failure at some point is inevitable. But how you respond is up to you. You can, you can give up. You can lose your temper. You can become discouraged. Or you can choose to embrace failure like Edison did and learn from it. Because what if he got to attempt number 999 and thought, forget this, I'll never make a light bulb that works. That one more try, that one more failure could have been his success. It's the same for you. What if you're one failure, one step away from success that you've been waiting for for years? One step away from transformation or a change in your situation that you desperately need. Failure does not define you. And my example this morning, Peter, is probably the person in the Bible with the most recorded failures and mistakes. There's loads of them. But he never gave up trying. This is the guy who failed trying to walk on water. He got rebuked by Jesus multiple times for saying the wrong things. He got it wrong when he tried to protect Jesus before he went to the cross. He got it really wrong here for me because he tried to protect Jesus and uh, Jesus didn't need protecting, but Peter cut someone's ear off. Now, I'll throw this out here. I think that's a complete failure because if you're trying to protect someone, you're not really going to stop someone by cutting an ear off, are you? For me, that sounds more like a circus trick. How, how do you chop an ear off and then stop without kind of killing someone after? He failed big time. And he especially failed big time. Uh, Jesus had been arrested. And people um, outside said, don't you know Jesus? Aren't you one of his guys? Peter said, no, I don't know. Three times Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. Peter is one of the biggest failures that we can see in the Bible. And yet Matthew 16, 18 says this. This is Jesus speaking. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Notice, Jesus did not say and upon this failure, I will build my church. Not in spite of your failure, I will build my church. He said, on this rock, 
I will build my church. Jesus did not define Peter by his failure. He defined Peter by his potential. He defined Peter by where his failure could take him, the success that could be ahead of him. Peter was not defined by the the times he failed, and neither are you, neither am I. Failure does not define you unless you define yourselves by it. You are not your mistakes. That isn't you. You are not your mistakes. Mistakes do not make you. You make the mistakes. The mistakes do not define you. Thirdly then, failure does not disqualify you. The Bible describes this race, this faith as a race that we need to finish. But in the world of athletics, one false start, one mistake, one failure can get you disqualified. Just one. But thankfully that isn't the case with God. Our mistakes and our failures do not disqualify us from coming to know God, from, um, from stepping foot in church for, or from, from uh, God using us for his purposes and his plans. We don't get just one chance with God. He doesn't kick us out of the race if we get something wrong. He will never stop us trying again and again and again. And yet so often we disqualify ourselves. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I've made too many mistakes. God can't use me. If you only knew what I'd done, you would agree. If only you knew how badly I'd failed. The great thing is God already knows all of those failures. Jesus knew all of Peter's failures, but he still didn't disqualify him from building his church. You only need to look at the people that God used in the Bible to know that God doesn't need perfect people to make a difference. He used Paul as well to establish his church and write half of the Bible we see today. A man who built his success before knowing Jesus from killing and imprisoning Christians. That didn't disqualify the man from building church. He used Moses to rescue the Israelites from slavery. He was a murderer as well. He was a coward. David was an adulterer. Peter, as we've seen, was a failure. Gideon was a coward. Rahab was a prostitute. Jonah was completely disobedient. Noah was a drunk. The list goes on. God does not disqualify imperfect people. He uses imperfect people. Because to God, failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. Stop disqualifying yourself because we're not disqualified by our failures. Some of you, I believe, I could tell you that a thousand times and you might still think, yeah, but apart from this one, this one failure can disqualify me. There's there's nothing that can disqualify you. No addiction, no abuse, no health issues, no mental health issues, no disobedience, no sin, no fear. Nothing disqualifies us from what God has for us. I know, I know how many mistakes that I've made personally. I know how badly I've failed, and yet I know that God has never given up on me. In fact, I don't know a single person that God has ever given up on. But I know plenty of people who gave up on themselves. Plenty of people who disqualified themselves from God, from making a difference, from being, being helpful to people because of a, a mistake, because of a failure in their past. Our failures don't separate us from God. Really, they should draw us closer to him. We're all part of a long list of failures who God can and will use to make a difference. 
And I feel at times that this message, personally for me, is a story of my whole life. I feel that my whole time at work has, is, has and is a constant process of failing on my feet. Being a husband and a father, I'm failing on my feet every single day. Serving in church, I'm failing on my feet every time I touch a guitar. To be honest with you, there's a lot of chords that are wrong. <laughs> DIY, definitely, definitely failing on my feet doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is what you do next. Get back up again. Learn from the mistakes. Learn from the failures. Allow yourself to fail. Because failure is not permanent. Failure does not define you. And failure does not disqualify you. But let's not be the critic sat down, failing on their seats. We need to encourage people, each other. We need to encourage each other to take that step. Do it. Fail forwards. Fail hard. Fail big time. But fail on your feet. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are more than enough for us. That our failure does not, does not qualify, sorry, our, our failure does not disqualify us from you, from your kingdom. That even our success does not qualify us. We are not, we are not good enough, Father. We all need you. We've all, we all fail. We all fall short. But I thank you that you use us. You use imperfect people for your purposes. And I thank you, Father, that we do not need to be written off by our failures. We don't need to be defined by them or disqualified by them. But we can know that they are the stepping stones and a learning curve towards our success. So I just pray, Father, you'd help us to be willing to fail, to, be a, to allow ourselves to fail so we can make a difference, so we can, we can help people around us, we can make a difference in this town. So Father, yeah, I thank you that you love us and that is not conditional in any way on our successes or our failures. You love us completely, without limit, without measure. And nothing we do can change that. So yeah, we, we thank you, Father. We give you all the praise this morning, your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Liberty Church Thetford. To find out more about Liberty, check out our website at www.libertycentre.org.uk or search for Liberty Church Thetford on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube.